0: Listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website. Trinitychester.church. Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our scripture reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 28. We're gonna read the whole chapter, verses 1 to 25. Let's now give our attention to the reading of God's word. In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, "Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army." David said to Achish, "Very well. You shall know what your servant can do." And Achish said to David, "Very well. I will make you the bodyguard. I will make you my bodyguard for life." Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord. As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, And God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbour David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once, full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I've taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you've said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servants. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate, when they arose and went away that night. Amen. This is God's word. Well, here at Trinity, we're coming to the end of a series of sermons on 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is... One of the Old Testament books that tell us about moments of particular significance in the history of God's people. And in one sense, the key event that 1 and 2 Samuel revolve around is the appointment of Israel's king. The people had demanded that God give them a king, and so God had appointed a king of their choosing, King Saul. But as it became clear that the people would not be blessed under the reign of King Saul, but would only suffer more and more misery, God graciously announced that he would Remove the king chosen by the people and appoint in his place a king chosen by God, King David. David won't be crowned king until 2 Samuel. And until the end of 1 Samuel, King Saul continues in office and makes it the primary policy of his administration to put God's anointed king, David, to death. And Saul's pursuit of David had been so relentless that David had, by this point, by chapter 28, fled Israel and had sought relief from Saul's pursuit in enemy territory in the land of the Philistines, which is why we find David speaking with the Philistine king Achish at the beginning of chapter 28. But chapter 28 doesn't focus on David. Instead, with David off the scene for a moment, the writer of 1 Samuel wants us to reflect for one last time on the tragic demise of King Saul. In a few chapters time, we'll read of Saul's death, But in our passage, we're told that Saul's death is coming, along with the death of his sons. Saul's story is a tragic one. And in chapter 28, we're invited to recognise the reason that Saul's life unfolded and ended the way it did. As we're invited to recognise the importance of God's voice. And the importance of listening to God's voice. So I want us to look at our passage this afternoon under three headings. The graciousness of God's voice the importance of listening to God's voice and what to do when God seems silent. Firstly then, the graciousness of God's voice. The fact that God speaks to us is itself an act of grace on God's part. It is a gracious thing for God to speak to us. It is not something we deserve, nor are we owed it. Now, in order to see this, we need to establish the point that 1 Samuel 28 is all about God's voice. Uh, It's all about God speaking. Uh, There are several features of the passage that encourage us to recognise this. In verse 3, we're told that Samuel had died. But this isn't the first time that we've been told about Samuel's death, because his death had been announced several chapters earlier, back in the beginning of chapter 25. And so why then are we reminded that Samuel had died? It's because Samuel was the man whom God had raised up in order that through Samuel, God might speak to his people and guide them. At the book of 1 Samuel, in the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel's presence indicates the presence of God's voice and Samuel's absence indicates the absence of God's voice. As well as that, we're told in verse 6 that Saul's distress at the key battle against the Philistines that he and his army were on the cusp of, uh, his distress was made much worse by the fact that God was no longer speaking to him. God was no longer guiding King Saul in battle, as he had done at an earlier time. In verse 6, we read of three things that uh, Saul had sought, uh, three things that were, during King Saul's time, authorised means By which a person could seek to hear from God, we read of dreams, the Urim, and prophets. In the time of the Old Testament, God often spoke, particularly to kings, in dreams. Uh, The Urim was something that God had given to the priests for the priests to seek his counsel. And the prophets were another means that God would use to guide his people to speak to them. And yet, having consulted all three means, we're told in verse 6 that Saul received no answer from the Lord. And so, having exhausted the three authorised means, the legitimate means, the means by which God had said he could be consulted, Saul then turns to unauthorised means in an attempt to hear from God. It was, in fact, to Saul's credit that, as we're told in verse 3... He had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. Uh, That is to say that he had outlawed the practice of seeking to hear from God via means that God himself had outlawed. And and God had indeed outlawed these practices, such as the practice of this woman in Endor. He had made it clear in places like Leviticus 19 and 20 and Deuteronomy 18. But having started well in this regard, Saul then turned in desperation to these practices that. God had declared unlawful. In verse 8, we read of him disguising himself and visiting a lady who was still practicing these things. Uh, She sought assurance that she wasn't about to walk into a trap and sign her own death warrant by revealing to Saul's secret police, as they could have been, that she did indeed still practice this dark art. And so Saul, in verse 10, assures her and swears by the Lord that she would suffer no punishment, Uh, at which point, at Saul's request, she in some way, by some unlawful means, causes Samuel, who had died, to appear. We're not told how she did it. We're not even encouraged to curiously inquire into how she did it. But we are told that as a result of her practice, Samuel then appeared. And at the sight of Samuel, she realises that the disguised man in her house is none other than King Saul. But Saul again assures her and bows before Samuel. In verse 15, Samuel then asks Saul the reason for what he refers to as a disturbance. And Saul answers, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. God has turned away from me and answers me no more. Just think about those words for a moment. Words that one commentator on 1 Samuel refers to as some of the saddest words in the whole Bible. God has turned away from me and answers me no more. In response to Saul's explanation, Samuel affirms Saul's understanding of the situation. He affirms that the Lord had indeed turned away from him. And in verse 18, he explains why. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, Samuel says. This is why Saul no longer hears the Lord's voice. This is why the following day Saul would be killed in battle along with his sons. Because he did not obey the voice of the Lord. 1 Samuel 28 is all about God's voice. And we ought to be reminded by Saul's demise that for God to speak to us is an act of his grace. It is a gracious thing on the part of God for us to hear his voice, for us to receive his counsel and his guidance. 1 and 2 Samuel is all about how God deals graciously with his people. 1 and 2 Samuel is all about God's grace just as the whole Bible, in one sense, is all about God's grace. And at the heart of it, God's grace involves us, it involves him speaking to us. He does not leave us in the dark, but he enlightens us as to who he is, how he redeems us, and how we are to live for him. This theme runs all the way through 1 Samuel at the beginning of the book, which... Follows the book of Judges and the period of the Judges, which had been a dark period for God's people. At the beginning of 1 Samuel, God's people are suffering at the hands of ungodly leaders and aggressive neighbors in the form of the Philistines. Life was miserable for God's people. And in response to the misery of his people, God raises up Samuel as a faithful prophet and a leader of his people. And through Samuel, God speaks. God's grace to his people is his word to them. And God's grace to us in our lives comes in the form of his word to us. Now, it's important to recognize that God no longer speaks to us in the same way that he spoke to his people in the time of the Old Testament. Saul sought to hear from God through dreams, through the priestly Urim, through the prophets. And at the time, that was legitimate. But the way in which God speaks to us has changed, and it's changed since the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, each of these means by which God would guide his people, in some way, points forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. It points forward to how he would become the ultimate means through whom God speaks to us. Uh, We know that because it was often kings who heard from God in dreams. It was the priest who had access to the Urim. And it was the prophets who were appointed to specifically speak on God's behalf. Kings, priests, prophets. Uh, They were the instruments through whom God would speak. But when we get to the New Testament, we find that these three offices, king, priest, prophet they're all now occupied by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is presented to us as God's final and ultimate king. He is God's final and ultimate priest and God's final and ultimate prophet. Which is why we're no longer to seek to hear from God through dreams, nor through a designated priest here on earth, nor through so-called prophets. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2 is clear on this point in the New Testament. Long ago, at many times, in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. There is a change in the way that God speaks to us, and it has taken place with the coming of the son of God into the world. Now, God speaks to us through his son, about whom the whole of the Bible speaks, and by whom ministers are appointed in the church, to proclaim and teach the message of the Bible concerning God's grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. The way in which God speaks to us has changed since the days of 1 Samuel. But the fact that God still speaks to us is today, as it was then, an indication of his grace to us. Which means that we can be in the midst of great distress in our lives, as Saul was in the midst of great distress in his. But to hear God speak to us, to hear his voice through his word, is something that ought to assure us of his grace to us, and it ought to comfort us in our trials, even if those trials are not removed from us. One Bible commentator named Dale Ralph Davis He points out how continuing to have God speak to us through his word ought to help us to put our particular trials in perspective. So he highlights the contrast between David and Saul at this point in 1 Samuel. David has had to flee for refuge into enemy territory and he fears for his life. David's trouble is no light one, Davis writes. He is caught among the enemies of God, but Saul's is far worse. Saul is without the word of God. And he goes on. He says, believer, put your trials in context. You may be exhausted from work. In fact, your employer may be giving you a raw deal, dealing unjustly and underhandedly with you. You may have lost your health or family troubles may now be cropping up. The text here says there is something far worse Do you realise what a comfort it is in the face of all your losses, all your pressures, all your disappointments and all your failures to have access to the throne of grace and the smiling face of God in prayer? Do you realise that all that you've suffered is not nearly so tragic as someone complaining, God has turned away from me? I'm not saying you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm not telling you not to weep in your troubles, only keep the right perspective. Friends, for all the difficulties we might face in life, we should always keep in mind how gracious God is to still speak to us and how gracious he is to allow us to speak to him in response. Just as him speaking to his people in 1 Samuel was a sign that he had not abandoned them, so his speaking to us through his word today is a sign that he has not abandoned us. And yet, whilst the graciousness of God's voice is pressed upon us as we get to the end of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 28 also highlights for us, secondly and more briefly, the importance of listening to God's voice. We see this in Samuel's explanation to Saul as to why it was that the Lord had no longer, uh, no longer spoke to him. Samuel tells Saul in verse 18 that the Lord has turned away from him because you did not obey the voice of the Lord. And he points to the incident of 1 Samuel 15 in which God had instructed Saul to act a certain way in battle against the nation of Amalek. And it was an instruction that Saul had rejected. As a result, Samuel had declared to Saul back in chapter 15 even... Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul's tragic demise, which ends with him being abandoned by God, comes about as a result of his disregard for the word of God. He heard God's voice through Samuel, God's prophet, and he disobeyed it. He assumed that it wasn't all that important to listen to God's words, and obey it and as a result there came a day when the lord said as it were enough is enough and he stopped speaking to Saul the importance of listening to God's voice could hardly be more clearly seen than it is here and at this point we're we're all faced with a sober warning as those who are at this very moment hearing God speak to us as his word is read and preached Saul was in a privileged position of being a part of God's people and as king he heard God speak through Samuel but his privileged position didn't guarantee his favour with God. He heard God's word but he needed to recognise the graciousness of God's word and obey it. Friends, in a similar way, we're all in a privileged position today, we, we've heard God's word, we have heard God's grace pro- proclaimed to us, but these privileges do not guarantee our favour and acceptance with God. We need to respond by obeying God's word, and in particular we need to respond by embracing God's chosen king. Now, this is what Saul did not do. Even though he knew that David was the Lord's anointed king, instead of embracing him, he rejected him and he persecuted him. For us, we need to listen to God's word by embracing the Lord Jesus Christ as God's chosen king. We need to trust in him. We need to submit to him. We need to obey him. And Saul stands for us as a warning sign to say that if we persist in rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ if we persist in disregarding God's words, there will eventually come a day when we will no longer hear God's gracious voice. But instead, he will be silent. It's a little bit out of fashion for preachers today to make a a clear and a direct call to members of the congregation to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And, And I understand that. But let me urge you, if you have not yet obeyed the voice of the Lord by submitting to his chosen king, let me urge you to do so today. If you continue to ignore him, it may be that at some point he stops speaking to you. This is the importance of listening to God's voice. It is a gracious thing for God to speak to us. It is something that we do not deserve. It is also important that we listen to what God says. Thirdly and finally, what do we do then when God seems silent to us? Perhaps that's the question that you're left with as you reflect on 1 Samuel 28. There came a time when God stopped speaking to Saul. And so... If God seems silent at a certain point in our lives, if it seems as though He's stopped speaking to us through His words, how do we know if we're not in the same position that Saul was in? Well, the answer to that question is found in recognizing one thing that that Saul ought to have done but never did in his attempt to hear from God. He never prayed. It sounds so simple. But not once in all of Saul's spiral of desperation in 1 Samuel are we told that he prayed to God. He hoped for dreams of revelation. He sought revelation from the priest's urim. He consulted the prophets. He strayed from authorized means to unauthorized means as he asked the woman of Endor to consult with Samuel who died. He desperately wanted God to answer him. But not once did he simply pray. I think we're supposed to see a contrast here between Saul and Hannah, the lady at the beginning of 1 Samuel who'd been unable to fall pregnant. Hannah, like Saul, was deeply distressed and she felt as though the Lord was silent. She felt as though he wasn't coming to her aid. And yet in her distress, we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 1, repeatedly she went to the temple of the Lord and she prayed to the Lord. 1 Samuel 1 verse 10 She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. In verse 12, 1 Samuel 1, we're told that she continued praying before the Lord. And then, after Hannah had conceived and bore a son, whom she named Samuel, she introduced herself to Eli, the priest of the temple, along with Samuel, the next year, and said, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Again, in one Samuel, the fact that Hannah prayed in response to her distress is emphasized. Two occasions on which the Lord seemed silent, one in relation to Hannah, one in relation to Saul. Hannah's response was to pray, Saul's response was everything but prayer. What do you do when God seems silent? You pray. And the indication that you're inclined and willing to pray in such a scenario is a good indication that the Lord, though he might seem silent, has not stopped speaking to you. Dale Ralph Davis again points out that there are several places in the Psalms where the person who wrote the Psalms feels as though God is silent, as though God has forgotten him. And it is important to recognise that this experience is part and parcel of the Christian life. It is normal Christian experience in this life. Sometimes it feels as though God has turned away from us. But the way to respond is to respond as the psalm writers responded by taking our concern and our complaint to God himself just as Hannah did and just as Saul failed to do. And all the while In our distress we are to remember that there was one who did endure God's silence on our behalf when the Lord Jesus was distressed in the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed Lord if there is any other way take this cup from me he did not hear the Lord's voice approving his request And when he hung on the cross and he cried the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're supposed to understand that among other things, what was happening at that moment was that God seemed to be, to our Lord Jesus Christ, silent. And he endured that agony in his death so that you and I might today hear the Lord's voice proclaiming his grace to us. And so that at the sound of his voice, we might live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace in speaking to us, proclaiming your grace to us. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus endured the silence he endured so that we might live at the sound of your voice. Lord, please, would you make us obedient to your voice, forgive us for the many ways in which we persist in disobeying your voice, and renew us today uh, in the willingness to do what you say and to respond in all of our distress in prayer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to the Trinity Church Chester sermon podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and what it means to live as a Christian, please do get in touch. You can email hello at trinitychester.church or head to the connect page on our website trinitychester.church forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.